I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sam Pets Radio, Australia's coolest podcast network. Cool. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of All the Small Games, an indie games podcast hosted by two fine gentlemen. One of them is me, I'm Andrew Levins. The other guy, Jonathan Valenzuela. There he is. Hi Levins. How you doing? I'm pretty good. Really good actually. This is the most in love I've been with a video game in 2021. Hell yes. Oh man, I'm so excited. I played the preview. I desperately wanted you to play this game. We're talking Death's Door. Uh, for, for those who don't follow along with the podcast, I got to play a preview a couple of weeks ago. It blew me away and I've just been waiting for Levens to get to play it as well. And finally he has. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that today because we haven't played anything else. Oh man. Yeah. I, I got, I got it, my code for it last week and, uh, yeah, spent the week just like going, okay, I need to, need to like get away from my family somehow and get them away from the television <laughs> so I can play it. And I, I got home from uh, recording Hey Fam last week uh, at 11.30 p.m. And I was like, oh, I'll just give it a little little, little taste. I'll, I'll put half an hour into this. And um, suddenly it was 3.30 in the morning. Uh, and that was my first, my, my first, just my first little taste was, was four hours into the depths of the, uh, of the middle of the night. Um, this game is so good. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, and we're also going to be talking, well, I mean, yeah, usually we talk about lots of games today. We're only talking about one game, but before we talk about that one game, John, why don't we talk about a console that could potentially play all the games? Yes. Uh, So this week, it's been rumored for so long, like Steam doing a handheld console has been in the rumor mill uh, in game circles for fucking like years now, essentially. But finally this week, Steam unveiled on uh, on their web store, the Steam Deck, which is a very kind of cyberpunk sort of sort of name. Like, I mean, a deck as a kind of a computer is something that's existed in cyberpunk novels for ages. It pretty much looks like a Switch. Like, yeah, for the most it, it part. It looks like a, a Switch with, like, nightmare controls. But, mm. um, yeah, so, I mean, like, the, the fact that this, this has come out... Um, 
hot on the heels of Switch announcing a pretty underwhelming uh, revision to to the Switch hardware, the OLED edition of the Switch, which is just like a better screen if you play your games handheld and a LAN port and not really anything, you know, worth noting down as an improvement beyond that. Certainly no no power, no more powerful than the same Switch that was launched in 2017. And I think that's, you know, one of the biggest biggest knocks against the switch is that a lot of the games even indie games we talk about on the show like they chug super hard sometimes you know it'll dip, drop in frame rate it'll take forever to load and these are the things that when you're playing next gen consoles like i've got a series s and i have a uh and i have a ps5 but to be honest like you know i wasn't even getting load times this bad on on, on, the, on the previous generation either um and so i guess everyone was like you know really expecting to be blown out of the water with a Switch Pro announcement recently, but uh, unfortunately they were, were unaware to never expect anything uh, from Nintendo. They they only get you when you least expect it, and so when you are expecting them to do something that makes total sense, they will never do it. Uh, so I'd love we- it. I'd love it if they announce the Switch Pro, but as a new fighter in Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Play as the it's most even, powerful Switch yet. <laughs> it's not even play, it's not even playable in the real world, but you can play it in. Yeah, that'd be f- hilarious. But yeah, I was like, I I've had a few people be like, "Oh, you're gonna get this new Switch," and it's like, no, like fuck a mid fuck a mid gen update. Like, yeah, I mean, when when yeah, I guess yeah. If if it was more powerful, I would get it in a heartbeat. But the fact that it is like yeah, like nominal battery, extra battery life, and then like a, it's a pretty, a, a, a potentially a prettier screen, a little bit bigger. But but it's um, not even like they're like it won't be HD. It'll still be 720p. It just looks nicer and is slightly bigger. Yeah, like so. Okay. Yeah. a little bit of disappointment cool. from from the Nintendo front uh, on the for the OLED model. Um, but last week uh, I woke up to the news. Uh, one, during one of the days of last week that, uh, yeah, the, the Valve have announced the Steam Deck. Um, it is a, like, genuinely powerful handheld console. Um, and, I mean, people always talk about how amazing the, the Nintendo games library is, but they, are, they, they don't let you have access to all of it on any of their devices. Um, whereas Valve, the, the, the biggest selling point for this is that yeah, one, it comes with your entire Steam library. And as someone that v- seldom plays games on Steam, I still have a library of like 50 games that the idea of playing them on a handheld device is actually really cool. Um, and I reckon most gamers have, you know, like, you know a pretty sizable Steam library. Um, sure. That, to, to have access to that on a handheld device is really appealing. It's also a PC. Uh, actually, do you know what it is actually? <laughs> What? It's a Linux operating system, John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Fine. <laughs> but um, you could not only run your Steam library, but you could also you, you like access like the desktop, essentially, on this device and um, open the Epic Game Store. Or, if this hasn't been confirmed yet, apparently Game Pass might work on this too. So That would be insane. The library that this comes with just off the back of that is so astounding to me. Um, yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit worried about the uh, the controls, um, the, the the positioning of them. I've read, look, I've I've listened to lots of podcasts, watched lots of videos, read lots of hot takes. Apparently, everyone who's who's, who's had hands on time with it says it doesn't feel as weird as it looks. It's once a, a friend of ours, Ryan Court, raised an interesting point that Steam are notorious for like 
user testing the ergonomics of their product to the nth degree. Like, it's not just like, we do one iteration, it feels slightly good, cool, let's put it into production. Like, they test and refine and test and refine and test and refine over and over again until it feels great. Because I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like, the layout of the buttons and the, the joysticks wigs me out a little bit, particularly the, the like, ABXY buttons are all the way over on the side of the console. The B button is, like, hanging off the side of the yeah, console, Yeah, like, like a Salvador Dali painting. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's I looked and was like, this is super weird, particularly taking into the fact that because it's essentially a handheld PC, not only do they need, like, game controller controls on it, they need mouse controls as well. And so there are two, I think, little... Trackpads. There are these two little pads next to the, yeah, the screen that I guess are trackpads. And I guess there's two of them in case you're a left-handed user or a right-handed user, or maybe it's like mouse buttons or something like that. So, or maybe it's maybe they're haptic controllers as well, so you can actually like use those as kind of virtual controls or the equivalent of virtual controls on an iOS. Um, it's one of those things where I, I'm genuinely curious if they're going to do a retail release of it because it's the sort of thing that I want to hold it in my hands before I go in. Like, I think before I bought a Switch, I got to play some stuff on your Switch. So I got that that five minutes of like, okay, I see how this feels in my hand. I see how this works. Yep, this is cool. You, you also I kind of want to do that about with this 15, as well. You also got about 15 episodes of me demanding you buy a Switch too, so that helps. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, and look, you've had God knows how many episodes of me telling you to buy a PC. So maybe this is the... The gateway. This is the catalyst. Because I, I have a PC at home. I really want this. Death's Door, which, as mentioned up the top, we'll be talking about later, I have that on my PC. I'm at work at the moment, so I can't play it, and it's killing me right now. (laughs) I have my Switch here. I love my Switch. I don't want to play anything in my Switch. I just want to play Death's Door. So if I had the Switch deck, I could be... I wouldn't even be recording this right now because I'd be like, no, Levins, I'm playing Death's Door. Go away. Um I have a giant, like, my Steam library is, like, between three to 400 games. And yep. that isn't even something that would be considered a huge Switch library. So I definitely, like, if I get one of these, I automatically have access to this huge variety of games, triple A's all the way down to the tiniest of indies, that kind of thing. So it definitely, like, economically, it makes sense for me to buy this because I won't have to buy any games in the in the short term. I already have shitloads of them. Like, yeah. but as you know, when I bought a Switch, I had to build a library up from the ground essentially. And Steam sale, like they, nothing compares oh. to the deals that you can get on Steam. Like I was just looking at then um, the uh, the team who made uh, Death's Door. That's right, the game we're going to be talking about very soon. Acid Nerve is the name of that team. And the last uh, game they made before this one was Titan Souls. And that is currently $1.50 on the Steam store. God damn. I would love for you to play Titan Souls. Yeah, I, I think did. you'd find it really cool. But um, one one other thing, because I sat down and had a long think about it at my, at my desk at work when it came out. One thing I find very interesting is that you've got consoles and you've got PC. And when, when developers develop for console, they know they're developing for a static set of hardware specs. Like... Someone in someone in England, someone in America, someone in Australia, any country. If they have a PS5, you know exactly what hardware they're working with and whoever's developing for it can just develop for that specific set of hardware and know that it's going to run. Mm-hmm. PC developers, on the other hand, they 
develop at the same time for like what is the most amazing specs that we can get and what is kind of a base spec that we would ex- ex- expect people to work with. And that's why with PCs, the whole idea behind them is that they are upgradable. You can constantly take parts out and put new parts in to keep you up with the latest games coming out. With the Switch Deck, how rapidly will it become obsolete in terms of new games to play? And more importantly, how many times will you call it the Switch Deck in this episode? Fuck! <laughs> the Steam Deck. Um, fine. Okay, leaving, leaving aside that Just fuck Just imagine, imagine how- you're, you're, you're the captain of a boat in the Steampunk era. Yes, of course. Hit the Steam I have deck. Co- I have cogs on my hat and an unnecessary amount of lenses on my glasses. Um, but you know, vocal vocal screw up aside, I feel the question is valid. Like, how long will the Steam Deck be? Like, at what point will the Steam Deck go obsolete? At what point will they go? Okay, we've upgraded the Steam the the switch the Steam Deck. God damn it! <laughs> Tiger Trio's tasty travels. Um, <laughs> How often will they need to upgrade the Steam Deck? Will it will it be modular? Will you be able to put other stuff in it down the track kind of thing? This is this is not a major con- like I'm not I'm not like oh I'm not going to buy it because it'll go obsolete 10 seconds later. Like I I want this thing and god knows most of my library are 5-year-old games that this thing will play brilliantly. Yeah, yeah exactly like the 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 really really tr- high-end AAA games that people are concerned about. Um, you know, I, I would play them on consoles anyway. The games that I want to play on this Steam Deck are like, you know, very, very primitive pixel games that come out two years before they get released to consoles. I want to be in there first. That's why I want this. Oh, of course. Um, but yeah, so that's just, I mean, maybe developers will start looking at the Steam Deck and going, okay, let's make sure that whatever we're making runs nicely on this system. Maybe not like the way you get with some PC players where it's like, I can play this at 120 frames per second at 8K and it runs without stuttering. It's like, great, dude, you've built a supercomputer and we're all very proud of you. I don't need any more than 24 frames per second because that's what most movies are and they look fine to me. Um, yeah, but I'm like, I'm I'm super on board. I think it it's frustrating that it does. It's not releasing in our market at this yeah, point. Yeah, I was going to say everything we've said is kind of obsolete because yeah, it, it avail- the item's not available for reservation in Australia yet. And from memory, the the Steam what was the? I mean, they don't have a very very good track record with hardware either. But the didn't it take them two years to release the Steam box in Australia? I think so. Yeah. So that doesn't bode well. Um, yeah, I, I like that. There's three options. Um, I can't remember the pricing of them all, but there's a 64 gigabyte one, which is like kind of like that's the, that's the El Cheapo one. But if you go a little bit more expensive, you get 256 gigabytes of, of memory with um, a solid state drive, which is very very fucking cool. But I just think like in terms of like the the best version of this, you know, like it's like you say, you you want it to to not go obsolete after a few years. So. Uh, the 512 model comes with obviously the fastest storage. It's on the solid state drive, um, and it has anti glare glass, which uh, is, okay. is is quite appealing to me. Cool, yeah. Um, so and if, they all if, come if with. I lived I mean, in, if I lived outside of Australia, that would be the version I w- I'd be getting. Uh, wife, it comes damned. with. Uh, they have they all have micro SD uh, slots as well. Yep. which is great. Upgradable storage. Um, that was another thing with the Switch OLED. They're like, we're, we're changing the internal hard drive from 32 gig to 64 gig. It's like, cool, I'm still going to be using a micro SD card with that. Yeah, that's totally. Not, 
that big. Which I've also filled. I filled my 512 gigabyte SD card on my Switch. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, I look my I, I won't lie. My immediate first thought when I saw the I saw the Steam Deck was finally Levens is going to get a PC. Yeah, look, the more I look at it, like right now I'm on their website and, and the the main graphic is just like a 3D, you know, model of the of the of the Steam Deck just kind of like swirling around on the screen, and it does look really good. The back buttons look great. I'm intrigued by the trackpads. Uh, I kind of really want to buy this right now. <laughs> Come on, doesn't doesn't Gabe Newell live in New Zealand now? <laughs> I'm already I buying. The the, I mean, he does. the playdate. Hopefully, by the time we record next week, we'll have both uh, pre-ordered that because they said we'd be able to pre-order by the end of July. Okay, um, okay, interesting. So I thought maybe last year would be the only year I was going to buy two consoles in one year, but who knows? 2021 could come through with a. With I'm, the, hang- with a I'm new hanging pattern. out for the playdate OLED. <laughs> What? That doesn't like doesn't and they add one extra color. It's like a <laughs> black, black, white, and like green. <laughs> yeah. Um. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So Steam Deck. If if uh, if you feel some type of way about this this new console, this new because people have made handheld PCs before. This isn't totally new, but it's the first time a major player in the in the kind of gaming scene has attempted this and it it looks to be pretty good but if you feel some type of way about it let us know if you think it's if you think it's a piece of crap if you think it's a piece of heaven hit us up uh, in twitter at all the small game on facebook facebook.com slash all the small games or email us all the small games at gmail.com or join our Discord by going to patreon.com slash all the small games. I just saw online then, John, um, the founder of Itch. Um, he uh, confirmed that that, that, will be, that will be usable on the Steam Deck too. Damn, Which nice. Is like, that's, like, that's like 1,500 games because I bought those big bundles for charity. Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah. It's, there's a lot oh, to love about, about this machine. And also very frustrated that it's a long way in our future. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Um, but hey, let's let's stop talking about the future. Let's talk about the game we're playing right now. It comes out today when this uh, episode goes up. It is called Death's Door. It's published by Devolver Digital. I know we pub- uh, talked about one of their games last week, but they have a very stacked rest of 2021, so expect to hear their name quite a lot. Um, this is developed by Acid Nerve. Um, again, yeah, uh, they, they did Titan Souls. Um, they're a two-person team from Manchester in the UK. Uh, Mark Foster and David Fenn. Um, David Fenn might be more uh, recognizable to some people because he is a, uh, as well as being a producer, designer, and sound designer, he's also the composer uh, on their games and has worked on other games too, including the indie darling Moonlighter. He did that very good oh. score. And uh, I have to say, like one of the number one standouts of this game to me is just how pretty some of the or- orchestration and, and the melodies are just earworms. The soundtrack to this is really special to the point where, like, I was playing it and B was like, "What do they steal this music from?" I know this song. I'm like, "No, you don't." It's, it's I swear it's brand new for this. She's like, "No, no, they stole it from a movie." I'm like, "No, no, no." It's just very cinematic <laughs> and beautiful and real and and new. And shut up, <laughs> yeah, B, back the fuck off. This is new. <laughs> yeah, no, I look as as a person who notoriously is like sound off while playing, much to your chagrin. I've been playing this with the sound on and the music is amazing. It's stirring. It's haunting. Um, I particularly love the sort of like the the music you get uh, at the Stranded Sailor. So it's like got that kind of squeeze box yeah, melody to it. Like sure. I really love that one. I think some of the orchestral arrangements that he's done, I mean, obviously it's, you know, um, you know done on computer, but I think uh, some of it holds up to um, some of the Hollow Knight soundtrack, some of the most beautiful moments on that where you're like, you know, making your way through this, exploring this big uh, open world kind of like, you know, making your way through the map. And you just have this beautiful melody in the background. It's so good. And you, yeah. you don't you don't want to leave even when you're like trying to race from one area to the next. You don't want to leave before your favorite part of the song uh, plays. It's great. I love it when that happens. This is going to be. I reckon if if I am eight bit does a release, I'm going to cop this on vinyl to add to my little little collection of uh, of video game soundtrack vinyls. Yeah, I, I can see this being like on a lot of people's best of the year lists. Like, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, I'm pretty sure this is my favorite game of the year so far. Um, we haven't even talked about what it's about. Death's Door is a um, isometric event- adventure game in which you play as a crow whose job is to reap souls. And the game mm. opens with you in a black and white world, which is like your kind of like your hometown. You get, a, you get, a, you get dumped off a bus at a bus stop. Um, and you make your way through security, and it's a very bureaucratic job that you have. But your job is to reap souls while um, a, a team of other crows handle the paperwork. Um, John, you want to take it from here? Because I think I've done pretty well yeah, so, so far, but I'm sure there's plenty of room for me to fuck it up. So over to you. You've, you've done well so far, and I'd like to once again, I did it during the preview, and I'll shout it out again here. When you make your way through security, the guy running security, it's Ball Plot. That's right, of course. That's his name, Ball Plot. <laughs> love that, love that tiny joke. Um, yeah, so you, you, as you said, you're a reaper. Your job is to collect souls. However, something, something strange is afoot in that there aren't really any more souls to reap. No one's dying. And the bureau that you work for is kind of like, not falling into disrepair, but it's just not being used anymore. There's no, you run into another, a fellow Reaper, Badger the Reaper, who, despite the name, is a, another crow. 
Um, <laughs> and he, he will often mention how, like, there's no work for any crows anymore because no one's dying. And so you head out. Uh, you were given a commission. Before we head out, John, was there a game that you got very warm feelings for as you were spending time in this bureaucratic take on the afterlife? Would that be Control? No, I was going to say Grim, Fan- Grim Fandango. Oh, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Man, where you true. play the Grim Reaper himself. Man, or one of the yes. Grim Reapers, yeah. But uh, I, 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 I really feel like the like yeah, the, the main character is kind of... Hub, the hub world has very, like, yeah, Grim Fandango vibes. Um, so you were given a commission and you make your way out to collect a soul. However, when you have, um, and each, each time you like the souls you collect or the, the, the big souls that you collect, they are boss battles. They are these, you know, really big boss battles. So the first time you go do it, you go and do this boss battle. I cannot remember who the boss battle is with. It's like a plant thing. Yeah. Has all these um, vines. She's slapping you with vines. So you, you take out this boss the soul becomes available, but before you're able to get it, you get clonked on the head and you pass out. And by when you a, wake up some... A big crow. You can see him as he... By a big he, crow. Uh, well, you as you find out once you pursue the, your, your assailant that it's a big crow that has knocked you out. And the big crow tells you, because you're not allowed back into the... You're essentially like not allowed to complete your mission and go back to the bureau or, or return to your normal life until you have collected this soul... And the, the kind of big issue with that is that you are now aging because you are stuck in the world without having collected this soul. You go to, you find your assailant. It's a this big crow who was a reaper before you, like who's, you know, also a reaper as well, but has, you know, has not been a reaper for quite a while. This is all happening in the first hour, by the way. We're not spoiling too much of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He He tells you that he also was out on a commission and had a soul stolen from him. And the person who sold that stole that soul went through death's door essentially, which is this giant door um, at at this you know in, in one part of a level, and you need an immense amount of soul power to open this door. So this big crow tells you like, okay, there are three three people or three characters who you if you reap all of their souls, you'll have enough power to open this door. Please go do this for me because. It will complete your mission. It will complete my mission. Everything will go back to normal. Does that does that strike you as yeah. right so far? Yeah. So basically, you are the, the 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 overall conceit is you're tracking you're traveling to three different areas to hunt down three bosses essentially and reap their souls in order to to mm. progress the game. Um, John and I have both beaten the the first two bosses, and uh, we're both somewhat of the way. In, like we're we're at the point now where we're like, do we push on and, and finish the game, or do we spend the, the rest of our lives uh, in going back through all the levels we've been through already, trying to uncover all the secrets? Because that is the beauty of this game. It is absolutely a um, you know a Zelda like um, in that it's taking a lot of influence from A Link to the Past specifically on the SNES um, from the, uh, the isometric perspective, which a lot of games uh, that I'm looking forward to this year or have already come out this year. I, mean, I feel like I'm playing a lot more isometric games than I am 2D platformers these days. Um, yeah, that's true. That's fair. But yeah, you have... Uh, there, from Right from the get-go, there are air, air spaces that you can't access. Um, you know, everyone... Everyone associates this with Metroidvania games where you can't access them, but you know that at some point soon you'll get a weapons upgrade or a strength upgrade that allow you to get past um, that 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 thing blocking your way. Um, but yeah, I mean Zelda games have always been doing doing these kind of uh, things in their gameplay too. Uh, 
the lore of this game is so much fun. Like just playing as a crow with a sword. That, to be honest, that's all the lore you need to give me. That's that's already like a at least an eight sure. out of ten. I'm a crow with a sword and I'm hitting people. Very great stuff. But the fact that you have this like bleak black and white overworld hub world that you keep returning to, and each time you get to a new area, you um, basically unlock a door that takes you back to your hub world, so you're able to access all different parts of of the map of the game from within your hub world by going through these different doors. Um, and it's also these doors are incredibly useful because as you make your way through the world, killing enemies, you collect their souls which act as currency and when you return to your bureau you can use that currency to upgrade various elements of your character i think it's like strength dexterity speed, speed and magic yep yeah. uh and i have you have you fully upgraded your strength yes that was that was the thing we kind of set out to do. It's like let's get as strong as we goddamn can. Yeah, just like real life. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm kind of like doing a, a balance of all the other three ones. I think I need to focus yeah, on my magic for a while. Um, but it's also one going go back to the narrative for a second. Each each time you because as you go to as you go to uh, as, you know as you make your way to defeat a boss, you will do a kind of like. You'll, you you collect souls from around the area and use it to open up a big door. And when you go into the door, you approach a chest and the chest will kind of eat you and swallow you up. And then you go through a, a, a kind of four-wave fight. Once you beat that, the chest spits you out and gives you a new ability. So yep. we've had uh, like a, a, Arrows, a fire bombs, shot ability, fire, and a bombs, hook shot. Yeah. Hook, hook shot, which is great, which help you with your traversal. But then once you've picked that up, you then wander through essentially a disused and boarded off part of the bureau. And as you wander through there, you find these little notebooks that talk about an event where suddenly the bureau like closed all these doors and stranded all these reapers for some unknown reason at this point in time. We haven't made it all the way through. We don't know the full story and we're not going to spoil it. But there's this big mystery going on at the back of the narrative which I'm now just like, God damn, I need to know what's happening. This is like, yeah. it's so well told and it's so interesting because the bosses speak to it as well. Like they kind of taunt you with this 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 thing that happened without exactly telling you what it is. Yeah, and what's great is that you hunt down these bosses, you enter their domains essentially, and the entire time that you're like, you know, reaping the souls of all the enemies in their areas, the bosses will like stick their head through like a pipe below you or through a window and taunt to you like, you know, like, fuck off, stop pursuing me, like, I'll kill you. Um, and it's just, it, it's so much fun. Like, it, it's, it's really, really great at kind of, rewarding you for for completing more of the game but then also it's really great at like rewarding you for going back to where you've been before and exploring areas you weren't able to access and some of the upgrades i've gotten have been crazy but like what in what sense just like ones just like fun some of the some not so much upgrade yeah like there's there's like optional bosses that you find through like I guess like you know a lot of puzzle solving to get through certain areas, um, and when, once you get to this to, to the boss battle, oh, I just realized I need to go back to an area that I didn't fully complete. So it's remember when Breath of the Wild came out? I know you weren't playing it as we were playing it, but everyone who was playing it, like I feel like for weeks we were just checking in with each other, like oh, like I I was in this area and I did this thing with this weapon, and then this happened, and it was like everyone had this wildly different experience. 
um, because of how much freedom you have while playing that game. And while this yeah. story, while while Death's Door, the story is very linear, there's a lot of like you know exploration that you can choose to do. Um, that that isn't you know it, it's not you're not being pushed in that direction to to do it. Um, I just man, everything about this game fucking rules so much. Um, it's one of those. It's funny you mentioned like Breath Breath of the Wild and checking in. Because that that kind of checking is in is a very sort of like supportive maybe isn't the right word but like comparative if you will it's like oh I did this here oh that's crazy I just did over this over here you and I over the weekend have been messaging each other back and forth but there's a competitive edge to it <laughs> where it's like if if one messages the other like I just did this that like. Certainly on my end, I'm like motherfucker. Now I gotta fucking run and <laughs> well, you know what? I gotta really run funny? and is I don't think take I'm competitive. I don't think I'm competitive with anyone else in my life about anything. But I feel like you and I, <laughs> when we're both playing the same game, there is this race to finish it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Because I remember, like, I'm I messaged like I've I've just finished the the Frog King boss or something, and then maybe like two hours passed, and then I got a message like. I just finished the Frog King boss. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Catch up. Catch up, boy. Let's go home. I think currently, because Archie, Archie's been watching me play this, but I've been also been playing it at night while he's sleeping, which he is not happy about. Um, <laughs> uh, I was I was worried he wasn't like, because he, he hates games where you, where you die over and over again, um, unless right. it's a competitive, you know, um, co-op game. Uh, but he... He's he he watched me beat the um the first boss and I died quite a few times beating her, um and was like like cheering me on like you can do it dad like you got fur- even further that time like he understands it now because oh great I, th- I think this game is a lot of fun to watch someone play the combat is so satisfying um Ooh, and, and you so can, good yeah you get like all different weapons john and i have both found this weapon that we don't have access to and neither of us can work out this goddamn riddle that you need to solve yeah. to get the final part to get it oh man <laughs> it's and so it's good the last, it's the last weapon yeah, it's the yeah. last there's five weapons this is the last weapon to get it'd be so I funny just want if it. you do get it and it's like way underpowered and it's just like this plastic oh. piece of shit yeah that will be uh, look, at least with that, there'll be the satisfaction of solving the puzzle. Yes, totally. That's true. And I know this is this is another thing we're going to compete over because the first person to message got the sword. That's just the other person's <laughs> just going to be like, God, oh, damn, God damn it. it. Tell me how, I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. That, that is the really fun part is that like we are playing this. We have the privilege of playing this before it's been released. So there's no... Mm. It's also under it's been under embargo, so no one's even talking about it. I imagine there's lots of people playing it um, for, for reviews and stuff. But uh, there's no guides, there's no YouTube's to like. If you get stuck, we're like, what the hell do I do in this area? There's none of that. So it is John and I kind of like that. I had a moment that I thought was glitched out, and it turns out I was just aiming aiming wrong. But because John got was that the the fight the, the furnace the, yeah the furnace I figured it out thank, yeah. thanks to you um, but that besides that that's been the only proper setback where I, but but the cool thing is because of like how much exploration you can do like I hit that moment I was like I know something's meant to happen in this room and it's not for me oh whatever I'll just go explore for a while and ended up like getting all these crazy upgrades I found that optional boss there are these there's like there's two kinds of optional bosses um, one of them is like um, a, a, like this fat knight with a big hammer uh, who like you just have to like dodge his attacks but there's different iterations of them um, One, some of them are like way faster they also like appear when you least expect it um, 
like and, and you're like you've got one one bar of health left because I, I have you still got just the original four bars of health that you got at the yes start? yeah I, i've got to find one more shrine to upgrade my health you upgrade your health and your magic by visiting shrines so they're again like very zelda influenced um gameplay choices but um yeah the the, the optional boss that i found uh I keep finding iterations of him and like, yeah, the first one you, you, you find him in the gardens in the, um, of the urn lady. Um, and I, and I beat that one pretty easily, but like every other iteration since bar one, I think has just gotten really, really difficult. There's one that like, as he hits you the ground with his hammer, like poison gas spews out. And then, yeah. um, there's another one. And, and the annoying thing is that like the, they don't count as proper bosses. So if, when you die, you don't, get like you know get a retry option you've got to you get you get sent back to ages away where you traveled from and you've got to travel to that point to beat that um fight the boss again there's like a really fast version of the fat knight that i just i've, I've gotten so close like i'm talking like one or two strikes away from killing so yeah the upgrading my health by one or getting a more slightly more powerful weapon i will be on easy street but uh yeah, it ain't, it ain't happening chief and uh, but i'm still loving it just like brutal pain you know that that's the thing like i you can just push through and I'm at that point now where I'm like, do I just push through and finish the game? Because I, I'm, I'm pretty close to this third, third boss, but I just know how much more enjoyable it would be if I had all of the upgrades I could possibly get as I fight that last well, boss. It's one of the things based on the structure of the first two bosses we've gone through, there will be prior to you approaching that boss, you will unlock because there's like, the secrets are hidden behind there's there's walls with like glowing cracks in it which is the ones you use bombs on mm-hmm. there's this is this is we're going into spoiler territory here i reckon kind yeah. of well it's just there's there's that there's there's these anchors which you use the hook hook shot on and then there are these manhole looking things and i think getting to if you unlock the manhole ability you sh- you should have time to turn back from that final boss and go through and do another sweep through everything yeah, I hope so. I'm I'm probably going to try and go for the hundred percent on this game, and if I get that powerful weapon, I'm I can I'm pretty sure I can beat the the two bosses that I haven't been able to beat so far. Um, That's fair. God, it's I good. will say I will say because um, you know earlier you were talking about as you make your way through the bosses area and they pop their heads out and taunt you, like you you paraphrased very heavily their dialogue. Like it's it the writing in this game is incredibly charming. Oh, you, you um, don't think uh, a boss saying "Hey, f- fuck off" yeah. <laughs> is 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 charming? <laughs> yeah, an an old lady appears and is like, "Hey, you, fuck off!" Yeah. Well, she <laughs> just stops. She, she stops does call talking. you a, a little shit before you fight her. But I like I loved that because she's like up until that <laughs> oh, fine, point, but when I say it, <laughs> she's she's built up as this like really sweet grandmotherly character, but then in your final like. When you start the final showdown, she just kicks off by going, you little shit. And I'm like, yes, that's incredible. <laughs> but even like some of the side characters, like there is there is a, a, a chef. Uh, and I don't like, you know, obviously we've been fairly fast and loose with information. I won't reveal what's really funny about the chef. Yep. But it is um, funny. Just give him that. But it's it's funny and it's built into the way that he speaks, like that you know how how he talks to you and that kind of stuff. Um, and because these interactions are so spaced out in levels and stuff like that, it's just this nice little burst of personality you get. Yep. Like I I always find it really rewarding when I find a character I can talk to because it's like oh cool he's going to be this like 
maybe it gives me a bit more story or maybe it's just a nice funny little interaction I have but it, it's just you know it tempers the like all the combat I've been through previously and speaking of the combat huge shout out to the hitbox detection on this oh yeah it's because it's like just so it's tight like it's great. tight as hell like I'm I'm rolling under the hammers like there are some other like they're not they're not major boss characters but it's like they'll swing a hammer and I can just edge under the hammer by dodging kind of thing. And it's just so like, oh, okay, great. It's not just like catch all. It actually has nuance to it and that kind of thing. Um, learning to just like getting rid of my my impetus to just run up to an enemy and start hammering the attack button in the hope that I'll no, survive. You, you've got to like put two attacks in and then, then, then dash out of there and then dash back in. Mm. It's great. Mm. It's, it teaches you to play. You have to learn to play the, to, to fight well. There's, yeah. only, there's one move that I never use, which is the roll and strike. Neither. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I feel like maybe that's the key to maybe beating some of these bosses. I don't know. Um, or if I, if I use it, it's just novelty because there's like one enemy that I need to finish. And I'm just like, whoop, let's try a roll and strike just for shits and giggles. Yeah. And, and My- there's great systems in place too. Like you, you, a magic, you have four four shots um in your basically four four ammunition to use magic um and as but as you to 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 like you know reload your ammo ammo you have to hit someone with your sword so you can you can fire four arrows at someone then dash in strike them four times then dash back out then do a long range attack with four arrows again it's great here's a um that reminds me old old mate fat poison knight i guess for want of a better name (laughs) Poison fat. Did you beat him? No, I have not. He's super fucking hard. So powerful too. In in his little, this is. I'll just tell you this because it's easier than messaging this to you. In his little (laughs) arena, there's one of those flowers where if you hit it, it spits a bomb at you. Yes. So might be good tactical advantage to just like hit it, time it right, roll next to the knight, wait for the bomb to hit. Those knights are so fast though. I I I, I did try that, but I, I could never. It's it's easier for like the the smaller enemies that that try and like swamp you, yeah. Man. Yeah. But look, I, I, it's I have yeah. I I have one minor critique. Is it the fact that there's no map? The fact that there's no map. Yeah. It doesn't even like it doesn't even need to be a detailed map. Like I don't need to be like here's the exact corridor I'm walking down. Like if it just gives a general overview of the area kind of thing. Yeah. And hell, you you can unlock it when you finish the boss. So it's not like you can follow the map directly to the boss area. It's just something afterwards to help with, like, orienteering the area to unlock secrets. And I, I was thinking about it this morning. I'm like, it's it's another perfect opportunity to have a little, like, design kind of thing. Because I even, like, I, I texted you over the weekend when I discovered throughout the throughout the game there are signposts that just point to, like, you know this way to the flooded fortress or this way to the summit kind of thing. And they're kind of shaped like a bird and pointing in a direction. You can hit them and cut them in half. Which is like and a, then a, a classic you, a classic Zelda thing, but not this, this, this... What John's about to say is just the, taking it to the next level. Yeah, it's the icing on the cake. You when slice you the then sign read, in half. Yeah. When you read this sign that's been cut in half, the text box for the sign is also cut in half. Great. Which is just such a fantastic little visual joke and a little detail that, like, if it wasn't there, fine, not a problem. But when you realize it's there, the game just goes up a notch or two. Absolutely. In terms of, like, God, that's good design. That's Archie's favorite part of the games by far. (laughs) 
Uh, Very cute. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm, we're probably going to talk about this game next week as well. And I think um, for the first time ever, it makes sense for us to do like a full on maybe Patreon bonus spoiler cast uh, for Death yeah, Door. Definitely. I, I adore this game. It's so good. Just everything about it is, is just this is extremely my shit. I love it. It's one of those things where, because you were talking earlier about like you've been playing at night when Archie's not been around and Archie's been annoyed. My my uphill battle with this game is like I went in deep over the weekend. I can only play when it's time. It's Olive's feeding time. <laughs> because other than that, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm holding the baby or I've got tasks to do to help Joe and that kind of thing. But for 40 minutes at a time, every two to three hours... I'm just like, I have no responsibilities at this point in time. I'm going to sit down and play this. And so that's how I played it over the course of the weekend was just like <sighs> playing as hard and as fast as I can. Like, oh, this is beautiful art, but keep moving, keep moving. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, if, if you yeah, like that I'm- parenting gamer talk, uh, stay tuned, everybody. But that was our review of Death's Door. Um, you can get it now on PC and Xbox. Unfortunately, not through Game Pass, but I don't think it's, it's, it's definitely whatever they're asking for it. It is absolutely worth it. Oh, 100% totally worth it. I think um, it's, yeah. Um, it's, it, it, I'm sure it will come to other consoles soon, but if you have a PC or Xbox, absolutely pick it up there um, because you want to you wanna play this game while everyone else does. But have that weird Breath of the Wild feeling with, with all your friends. Um, it's published if, by Devolver. If this, if this gets knocked out of my top three games of the year, what a then great year. <laughs> I was going to say this might be the best year of indies I've ever seen. Um, so that is it for our initial review of Death's Door um, Again, published by Devolver Developed by Acid Nerve and on Xbox and in PC uh, We have an email to get through before we close up the show And it comes from Kevin If you want to be like Kevin and email us You can at allthesmallgames at gmail.com uh, Kevin's email subject is Games to play with an 8 year old Hello boys, how are you? John? I'm good, how are you doing? I, I didn't say This is Kevin from Las Vegas After listening to an episode a few, a few weeks ago And hearing how much Levens' son was enjoying it I decided to download Boomerang Foo To play with my 8 year old oh. son Within 3 games he paused his switch And said dad this is my favourite game ever And we've been playing it daily since So my question is What other indie games do you recommend downloading For an 8 year old to play Thank you and keep up the good work boys Boomerang Fu has uh, taken over th- this 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 family's house. We draw characters that that would belong in the Boomerang Fu world. Not a single dinner meal is eaten without Archie uh, asking me what kind of boomerang he thinks the piece of food I'm about to eat would have. <laughs> so yeah, Boomerang Fu. I don't think anything comes quite close to uh, the 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 seven to eight year old magic that that uh, that game is able to conjure. But uh, I I think Archie and I. Th- the best games that we play are either like, yeah, like games that we can play um, co-op together where it it's not, I'm not going to get mad at him or he's not going to feel disappointed in himself if he lets us down. And it's pretty, it's pretty tricky to find um, indie games that do that. Actually, the, the best place to turn on the Switch is actually like, like uh, the th- Mario 3D World collection. Um, you can you can put yourself in a bubble when you get hurt. And the Bowser's Fury segment, you just play as Bowser Jr. You don't do much. You can't die. Perfect for a kid to do. But I would say my favorite gaming experiences with my son have been um, adventure games. Um, like at the moment, we're playing through Chicory. 
Um, and that is a great two-player game to play with a kid, actually, because the the second player just controls a paintbrush, and they can just paint the world around you while you do all the difficult um, stuff in that game. Um, but Chicory, and then even games where like he doesn't necessarily have to play it, but we but we um, it'd be maybe a, a, an adventure game with lots of dialogue, and we assign characters to each other. So he'll be like the main character, and I'll be all the characters that he that he comes across in the world. And um, the best example of that is a short hike. Um, it's like a you know two hour long experience. It's really beautiful and sweet. It's gorgeous and pretty. Like you could probably teach your kid to play the majority of that game. Um, a short hike is probably my favorite video game experience with Archie um, for us, like, you know, full on experience, experiencing something together. So I would recommend a short hike. Um, if you want fun, kind of easy to understand competitive games that you can play together, um, I would absolutely recommend Duck Game um, and uh, and Tricky Towers, um, which is like a Tetris kind of competitive Tetris game where you stack. Blo- it's kind of like Tetris meets Jenga great really really good fun and easy to understand and if, if they you know you're, you're just as lucky to fuck up as they are which is important john sure. any uh any eight-year-old uh, gamer suggestions man i've i have nothing really to add to this conversation olive is a good eight eight years yeah. and, or seven years and like nine months away from me being able to make recommendations like this but um i mean i was gonna suggest wonder song but i think wonder songs maybe like a better experience if it's something that he plays himself when he's a little bit older, maybe like 12, 13. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing Chicory, which is like very, very similar because it's by the same people. And I think like, yeah, Archie would have loved, like I said earlier, like, you know, you assign roles to each other where you play a different, where you read out the different text by different characters. Sure. And you kind of, it's like experiencing the story together. Um, our friend Ryan Court, you mentioned him earlier in the episode, he's getting another shout out now because he, he just bought a Switch and actually asked in a, in a group that we're in which, uh, which good games for the kids we could recommend. And I said, Boomerang Foo, a short hike, untitled goose game. There is no game, the puzzle game I talked oh, about. Yeah recently that was excellent to play with Archie and then Tiger Trio's Tasty Travels which is a great kind of fun puzzle coding game um, at the sp- moment sp- speaking of Ryan not to uh, not to, not to draw the curtain back on my social life too much but I just got a message from Ryan that said <laughs> switch plus toilet is a revelation <laughs> <laughs> shouts to Ryan bro <laughs> yeah they come in threes three shout outs sh- one episode you, you, three shout outs one in luxury shout-out. style now <laughs> Um, it's so crazy. So many of my friends have bought Switches. We're, we're like all of Sydney is still in lockdown for who knows how fucking long. I just became an uncle to a baby that I don't know when I'm ever going to meet. But uh, lots of my friends are buying Switches. Shouts to uh, Mike Eggett and Mitch Orr, my uh, co-hosts of a previous podcast, The Mitchin, who both bought um, Switches over the weekend and texted me asked, asking how to set it up within three minutes of each other, which is pretty funny. Um, that's all the time we have uh, of this amazing episode. Uh, please, if you can, play Death's Door and come and talk about it with us in our Discord, in our email, um, patreon.com slash all the small games. A bonus episode is going up on our Patreon this week and then another one the following week. We'll reveal more details about them very soon. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to John for playing almost as much Death's Door as I did this week. <laughs> oh, is that how it's going to be? Save it, save it for messages, mate. Save it for messages. Uh, Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.